We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. They're one of those but I would love to do it. Uh, so I just couldn't go on the first voyage. I'm that person that waits <laughs> for people like to go over the Seabrook so I can make sure it's good, and then I go like after it's been up. So, <laughs> uh. you know, I do that. So I would definitely have to wait for, like, voyage number four or five, see if they, you know, work all the kinks okay. out. Okay, so you would go. You just don't want to be on the maiden voyage. <laughs> there gotcha. you go. And I'd go. I just don't want to go to Mars. I'll do the moon. I'll do, I'll do not-so-deep space, but, yeah, the moon's my limit. All right, well, if you want to go to the moon and you want to go to Mars, you have to go through Michoud. New Orleans is playing a critical role in that effort. Chris Impey is a professor of astronomy at the University of Arizona and pays attention to all things space. Uh, professor, thank you for joining us here on WWL. Yeah, good to be with you. Would you go if you could? Oh, I'd go if the price tag comes down from the current uh, billionaires-only price. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that eventually you'll be able to buy a ticket to the moon or to Mars, probably. But initially, it's NASA who's taking care of this. And today, they're cutting the ribbon on the facility to build the new, bigger vessel that will go on top of the rocket that carries Americans to the moon and eventually to Mars uh, here in New Orleans. And so tell us, is this realistic? I mean, I've been watching uh, HBO's uh, series on what, ha- what would have happened if Russia had gotten to the moon before America, and it outlines then us building a colony on the moon and so forth. That was the plans. I remember as a kid going to Houston and seeing the designs on the walls at the Space Center of what a moon colony would look like. They were even growing food in moon dust that they brought back from the moon uh, during the few visits that Americans made there. And all the preparations have been underway for decades now to colonize the moon. It looks like that's going to happen now, right? It, it is. It's still a ways off. But, I mean, you know, compared to what people thought right after the moon landings, people thought, oh, yeah, we'll go back. I mean, those astronauts, you know, they're aging out, and there won't be any Apollo astronauts left who stood on the moon soon. They're that old. Uh, they, none of them thought it would be more than half a century before we go back, but it but it looks like it's coming. 
Okay, so that was Apollo. And now Artemis, his sister, has uh, the name for the mission to the moon. And they're building a 40% larger capsule uh, here in New Orleans. They're cutting the ribbon on the facility to construct it today so they can bring bigger payloads and more people to the moon to build that colony from which we will then launch missions to Mars. You said it's going to be a while still. When do we put feet, American feet, back on the moon? Well, um, NASA's timeline is about two years for that. They're going to do a flyby with a crew. They did an uncrewed flyby not long ago, a month ago. They're going to do a crewed flyby, sort of like the Apollo 8 that went around the moon, just checked it out um, in a year. And then two years, they commit to have the first landing. So it's about two years. Um, And that's just the early stages, though. This is still very expensive. Artemis is not a cheap proposition. Uh, So they're going to have to bring the cost down before anyone other than, as you said, the astronauts and the test pilots are the people who get to go. Why did we stop going to the moon with Apollo? Why did that plan that was so well laid out uh, in Houston never come to fruition? And why are we doing it now? I think because it was born out of a geopolitical rivalry. And you know, if you go back longer than most of us can remember, I mean, America was freaked out by Sputnik. Uh, Russia made all the first landmarks in spaceflight, you know, first person in space, first satellite, first woman in space, first spacewalk, first object, and we'd make a long list. And so by the 60s, you know, the commitment was made, Kennedy's commitment to get to the moon by the end of the decade, an incredible achievement. But by the end of that, as the, as the bills came in and Vietnam War was going on, so there was no way they were going to keep paying for that, uh, America had sort of won that space race. The, Amer- the Russian space program was sort of in retreat, and so that battle had been won, and I think people just thought, ah, let's do other things. It's very expensive. We don't really know why we're going there if it isn't to just show that not to cede that ground to the Russians, uh, and then so we sort of lost interest in it. Yeah, it seemed like you're right. It was a Nixon versus Kennedy kind of thing that fueled it, that they had uh, personal political interests in moving us forward. It made us feel great about ourselves as a nation, but maybe it was never really communicated the benefits that could come from it. And if that is the case, and it came to an end because it was so political and that there wasn't a clear, at least nationally communicated benefit to building and living, building structures and living on the moon and maybe eventually going into deep space, why is there now an appetite for it? And what is the advantage that we gain by having people live on the moon and then sending missions to Mars? I think, you know, the, it, it's still the long view. There's, there's no money to be made by anyone in the next few decades by doing this. It's a very expensive proposition. It's very difficult. And, and as you were talking about earlier, the difference between Mars and the moon is, is fantastic. It's the difference between a week and eight months. The difficulty and danger and expense factors are very different there. So there's a prospect of some commercial uh, to mining on the moon. There are some certain mineral resources, helium-3, some rare resources that are present on the moon that are very difficult to get on the Earth. So there are people who have that in view. Um, and then the commercial part, as the ticket price comes down, just like commercial aviation in the 1920s and 30s was only for the super rich, and now everyone does it. When the ticket price comes down, then there's possibly an economic model in tourism you know, for the moon or recreation, uh, and so that will sustain it. 
And what about Mars? Why go to Mars? Yeah, Mars, I, I agree with your, your previous uh, your uh, comments about Mars being you know, beyond the pale. It's something that Elon Musk is committed to do. He says he wants to die on Mars. Who's, who are we to question that? Um, the, <laughs> Some people uh, would welcome that. but <laughs> So I think it's there's no geopolitical gain to being on Mars. It's just so far away and so difficult. It's never going to affect terrestrial affairs. Um, so there it is, just the pure challenge and the ability to live on another world, because you would have to be self-contained. The moon you can resupply in a week, and you know you don't have to be totally self-contained. Mars, you would have to be self-contained. Um, so really, Mars is only on the table for these more visionary ideas that are very long time frame of establishing another human outpost. I mean, a new branch of humanity. It's very grandiose, you know, for the first time since we left Africa 50,000 years ago as early humans, leaving our world and starting another branch of the human tree. Is there any scientific interests in going to Mars, uh, finding origins of life, discovering our ability to inhabit other planets? You know, you, all the movies about how one day the Earth will become inhabitable and we have to have somewhere else to go. I don't know that somewhere else in our solar system is necessarily the answer, but does it... Is there any scientific reasons other than purient interests in going to Mars? There are strong scientific interests in Mars. For example, it is still quite likely that underground there is life on Mars. There are microbes that have persisted since life may have been on the surface three billion years ago. But the truth is most astronomers and space scientists are on the same page that Robots, these, these wonderful little rovers and machines we send to Mars, they are so much cheaper that no human life is risked. Uh, they do their jobs very well. As you know, our robots and our AIs are getting better year by year. So for most scientists, we can answer these scientific questions with robotic missions. You don't have to send people to do that. So it really is just about the excitement, the challenge, and showing, hey, we can do this. Uh, at a cost of billions and billions of dollars to American taxpayers. To American taxpayers, and it's it's not a coincidence that the and and the people who have deep pockets. So the two rival space companies, Blue Origins and um, and SpaceX, are run by the two richest men on the planet. I uh, maybe Elon Musk isn't in that top two because he's lost a lot of money recently on paper. Anyway. So they're putting money into it. They each put a billion dollars of their own resource into it every year just to keep it afloat because they're not getting significant revenue yet. Ah, so the, 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 the why persists other than the novelty, the history, the ability to prove we can do anything we put our minds to kind of thing. Uh, but I'll tell you this, it's making a lot of money for people here in New Orleans because all of the companies and all the workers in those companies at the NASA Michoud Assembly Facility and at Stennis Space Center just across the state line in Mississippi, there are a lot of great paying jobs there, and a lot of people are making a lot of money off of making the rockets, making the crew capsules, testing the engines, and so forth. So at least we have that going for us. Yeah. I mean, and again, I would distinct, make a distinction between the moon and Mars. The moon does have geopolitical value because space is a frontier for the military, of course, beyond just satellites and potentially weapons in space. You know, we're going to expand our reach into the near-Earth vicinity, and the moon is a valuable resource in that regard. So we will be uh, – our rival there will not be Russia, probably. They're too poor, but China.
All right, we're going to put pause. Uh, we're going to pause the conversation right there. We're talking with Chris Impey, professor of astronomy at the University of Arizona, as today they cut the ribbon on the new facility to build the bigger space capsule here in New Orleans that'll be able to bring more stuff and more people to the moon and eventually to Mars. Why are we doing all this? And is it worth it all? And I'm going to ask him if he's watching the show for All Mankind on Apple Plus, which I'm really, really enjoying. And continue the conversation about other military interests on the moon. Are there, because that's part of the whole storyline in that fictional program about going to the moon. Do we want to put weapons bases on the moon? Are there intelligence gathering opportunities on the moon? Why and what is the advantage to being on the moon militarily uh, for the United States? We're going to continue the conversation after this. If you want to text in any questions, you can on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line at 504-260-1870. Today, they cut the ribbon on the new facility at the NASA Michoud Assembly Facility in New Orleans East to build a bigger capsule to take astronauts to the moon where they can build a colony and then launch to Mars. We're talking with astronomy professor Dr. Chris Impey at the University of Arizona. Uh, professor, are you watching For All Mankind on Apple TV? Actually, I'm not. I, I've heard about it. Sounds sounds fun. I'll probably catch up with it yeah, at it's some kinda, point. Yeah, it, it's a big what if. Uh, what if the space race had continued? What if we continued going to the moon? Uh, and what if we were preparing for deep space exploration? Uh, and very well done. Great program. Uh, and it, it's thought-provoking for sure, especially at a time when we're seeing America gearing up again to carry out finally those generations-old plans to build a space base on the moon and enable us then to launch from there to go to Mars. You talked about some of the scientific uh, benefits uh, and things that we can get on the moon. Someone texted us and said Mars is closer to taking off to get to the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter where valuable natural minerals exist. Uh, so maybe that's one thing way down the road people are looking forward to that seems... Uh, probably generations away, but I are there military interests as well to returning to the moon? Uh, sure. I, I mean, let me get to that, but it was a good question from your caller. Um, the asteroid belt, yes, is very far away, and Mars is you know, in that right direction, but the economic or commercial benefit of space activity revolves around near-Earth asteroids, so the asteroids that, that happen to come fairly close to the Earth and the Moon. And we do have the technology to sort of alter their trajectory and bring them into a captive orbit around the Earth or the Moon, or both, uh, and then start mining them. And people have their eye on that within the 10, wow. 20, 30-year time frame. And there's so, a, the, so that little test resources. we saw last month where they just wanted to see if they could change the trajectory of an asteroid wasn't just if it was coming towards Earth to keep us from a cataclysmic event, but could also be used to put an asteroid into orbit, so then we could just send people up there and start mining whatever's on it that could be very valuable to us. That's right. And the, and the value is extraordinary. A sort of half-kilometer-sized near-Earth asteroid that you judiciously select, some of them are more mineral-rich than others, has about a trillion dollars worth of rare-earth metals. Uh, a trillion dollars worth of, you know, platinum, gold, et cetera. So, you know, pretty eye-watering numbers in principle if you could harness it and mine it. Now, there's a ton of engineering challenges. But, yes, the technologies to do it, they're, started, they're being demonstrated now. 
Wow. Yeah. And the technology is not only to get there, not only to put it into orbit, but then to put people up there to mine it and then bring it back, of course. Uh, yeah, it seems a whole lot going into it. But now we're starting to see where the people, the very wealthy uh, <laughs> and the very uh, long range minded wealthy people could be looking forward to some of these kinds of activities. So very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. What about military interests? Well, the military interest will sort of coincide with just just the usual expansions of power from the Earth. So China is clearly now our rival in space. They've There's a time when they may have the only space station if, if we don't commit to continuing the International Space Station. They're going to the moon. They're going to Mars. I mean, they've got very ambitious plans. They're Space program is growing at the rate of their economy, which you know has taken a little downturn recently, but was sort of doubling every five years compared to NASA's pretty steady budget or declining in real terms. So China's the the new rival, and and the the issue of well, there's two issues. There's a weapon in space issue, which was supposedly dealt with with the uh, space, Outer Space Treaty of 1965, deweaponizing space. But do you trust it? Do you believe it? Do you have to verify? You want to make sure nobody's cheating. But the commercial thing is more interesting because there's no – it's a lawless place. But there's no rules of ownership. There's no uh, governing treaty by the U.N. And so if there are valuable resources either on the moon or in an asteroid, it's just first come, first serve. Whoever plants their flag there will get to own it. And if they're valuable resources, people might compete for them. Just think of what happens on the Earth. And so the military part becomes involved there because you're protecting your national interests in a situation where no one really can adjudicate who owns what. Yeah, but and does even planting your flag mean ownership? That's another issue that's for that's confronted on for all mankind. Uh, the Russians and the Americans uh, set up moon bases and they want the same water, uh, the same ice that's on the moon. Right. And uh, the the discussions and battles over, well, can you really, do you own any property on the moon and can you control it? So there is that. Uh, you talked about the Chinese being our rivals now. Uh, do they beat us back to the moon and do they beat us to Mars? Uh, would America let that happen? And do we care at this point? Would there be the political will to prevent that from happening? I think when it came to a, I mean, the Artemis plan to put Americans back on the moon in a couple of years, that probably will happen. I don't think the Chinese will get a landing before then. But on the longer time frame of a, a viable base, they may indeed beat the United States. They're just putting a lot of money into it, and it matters to them. Mars is, is less clear. Um, they have that ambition, too. But also, so does the private sector. I mean, Elon Musk has, has his new Starship rocket, which is the one that's going to provide the oomph to get the Artemis, uh, the, the capsule, to the moon. Um, in fact, NASA's model is too expensive without Elon Musk's Starship. He has a much cheaper way of launching and recovering rockets. That's his goal is to get to Mars. That's why he designed that big Starship. It wasn't really to mess around in near-Earth orbit. It was to do the long, the long haul to Mars. And does that happen in his lifetime? Did you think Elon Musk does, as he said— live out the rest of his life on Mars at some point? I mean, it's, I think it's fascinating. The time frame is plausible, assuming he lives till his 80s or 90s. Yes, he could. He might die an old man on Mars. 30, or, 30 years or so is a reasonable time frame. I don't think it's going to happen in 5 to 10, but 10 to 20, yeah. I mean, if he puts his full resource into it um, and just decides that's his life's goal, I think he can make it happen. 
Well, let's hope Tesla makes him enough money to keep doing that because I don't think Twitter will. And let's hope he doesn't right. lose too much more money on Twitter to a point where he can no longer fund his aspirations of getting to Mars because that would then uh, derail those plans indeed. Um, so wow, the Chinese versus the Americans in a new space race, not only to the moon, but also to Mars. Uh, I wonder if it'll capture the American imagination again like it did when it was us versus the Russians uh, in trying to get to the moon initially. Uh, and do we care enough to spend enough to win that battle? That's a good question. I, I think that was a unique time. I mean, that was a, geo, that was a rivalry that arose out of a, a very long and intense Cold War and it was a way for America to put an exclamation point on, no, our technology is better than yours. It was the birth of the semiconductor in industry around that time. So that was a sort of singular time in history. I don't, I don't think we'll see a repeat of that. But the geopolitical rivalry with China, as we see in the news headlines almost daily, is really intense. It's really going to play out in space, some of it. And you talked about space tourism. Do you think that that becomes... Uh, not just for something for the ridiculously wealthy that we could at some point in our lifetime see where Americans who want to go into orbit could afford to do that or want to go to the moon could do that or could just go into space for a few minutes and come back down. Yeah, I think the, the for the near the near Earth orbit stuff, the the sort of Richard Branson, you know, zero gravity joyride, uh, nine minutes pretty much is all. Uh, that, yeah, that'll come down. That'll come down from quarter of a million dollars to pop down to, by a factor of 10, maybe. So I think eventually the Earth orbit for a modest amount of time will cost no more than an expensive cruise. And for that really? sort of once-in-a-lifetime experience, yes, I think for a once-in-a-lifetime experience, yeah, a significant number of people will do it. Um, a full hotel for three days in Earth orbit, and there are hotels planned for Earth orbit, you know, that will be only for the rich. And then the moon thing of course, that will only be for the super rich and probably for the foreseeable, imaginable future. So I don't think tourists are going to be going to the moon anytime soon. And then there are all these other things that are going to happen. We'll have the first baby born in space. I think that's going to happen. I can imagine a reality show once there's uh, tourist hotels in Earth orbit where some couple decide to go off and have a, have the full term of a birth in orbit and it's a beam down for our TVs week by week. I mean, there are all sorts of things you can imagine happening once that opens up. Yeah, and then the financial opportunities that presents. Um, all right, so that brings me to an odd question. I don't know. Well, I'll just ask. Um, do we know uh, anything scientifically about the ability to procreate in space? Uh, has, has, has there been any? I, I don't think NASA's done any experimentation on that, but if we're going to be sending people to live on the moon, live on Mars, live in orbit, uh, do we know? Can you conceive and deliver a baby in space? Yeah, I think there, there's some medical literature on this, some medical literature that's sort of ventured into this space. NASA hasn't funded any study, as you say. Um, I, I think there's no reason that it can't work. I mean, I remember a baby while they're sitting inside the mother are essentially in a buoyant situation, essentially a zero-gravity <laughs> situation. So there's no, there's no cardiovascular or fundamental medical reason why you couldn't have a birth in space have there uh, or been, just date a baby. Have there has there been animal procreation on the International Space Center? Have they done that? Have they had lab rats have babies in space, or has none of that happened yet? 
I don't think so. No, there there have been some animal experiments, but they the experiments don't tend to last long enough to do that kind of thing. Um, they they've certainly seen mi- microbes procreate, if you can call that procreation. Um, so I, I don't think there's any medical or biomedical obstacle to that. No. Yeah, I mean, but these are questions, obviously, that if we're really talking about this long term, that have to be answered and confronted. Um, and you know, you know, the whole Mile High Club thing. I gotta imagine that there'll be a market for that as well in space. But that's a conversation for another time and probably in another place. Professor, anything else that uh, I haven't asked you about that we should talk about? Is today we see this major step forward here in New Orleans of the cutting of the ribbon on the facility to build the bigger crew capsule that will enable more payload and more people to go to the moon and eventually to Mars. No, I mean, as we didn't get to it, but there's a, a big backdrop conversation going on as the space activity heats up. Is is this what we should be doing with our money when the Earth is in such jeopardy as a planet? And that's, you know, that's a conversation I have with my colleagues and people you meet on the street have and so on. And, and that's a fair conversation. When it's just billionaires spending their own money, fine. But when it's taxpayers' money, then it's a legitimate question. Yeah, and and I've heard that argument. I've heard people say, should we be worried about sending a handful of people to the moon when we have millions of people who are starving and things like that? Uh, And and I don't know that it has to be an either-or conversation, but it is definitely a conversation in all of this. And as we've seen in throughout history, uh, all the best laid plans can be altered very quickly, either accelerated or decelerated by the political winds and who's elected to particular offices, particularly the presidency. Right, right. And there's and there's one final thought I would have that that it's a positive on the space activity, even regards to Earth and its situation. To live in space, in zero gravity, or on the Moon or Mars, in a self-contained environment, you have to be so parsimonious of resources, so self-contained, so recycling, so um, you know careful in your use of energy. That learning how to do that really well will have lessons for how we live on Earth because we kind of just act like the resources are infinite most of the time. And so learning those technologies and ways to live in a very tough environment in space does actually have lessons for how to live better on Earth. Professor Chris Impey, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your insight, and your expertise with us as we watch this unfold before our eyes. You have a great rest of your week. Okay, thank you. Uh, Chris Empe there here on WWL. All right, I'm going to open up the lines for the rest of the program for the next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.